Hi, my name is Sushmit Ghosh, and I am the co-director, producer, editor, cinematographer of Writing with Fire, a story about um, a team of Dalit women journalists from India who are speaking truth to power. हमें सारी जानकारी चाहिए जो इस रास्ते से लेकर के दिक्कतें होती है खबर लहरिया से है वो पेपर भी है और चैनल भी है तो जो चैनल है वो आपको यूट्यूब में मिलेगा और जो पेपर है वो आपको साप्ताहिक मिलेगा अच्छा। जी आपकी मांग नहीं है की आपको यहाँ आने के लिए न्यूज अगर बनानी है तो आपको गाड़ी चलनी चाहिए नहीं मेरी नहीं है क्यूँकी मैं तो अक्सर पैदल चलती हूँ ओके आप मीडिया के अंदर जाने के पता है आपको क्या रूल होते हैं क्या नियम कानून होते हैं इसलिए हमसे उतनी ही बात करी जितना समझ में और हमारी डिमांड केवल एक है की उसको बीच वाले पेज नहीं छापने हाथ जोड़ तो मैं आपको एक चीज बता दूं जो आप कह रहे हैं जो आप बोलेंगे मेन पेज का खर्चा लगता है बिल्कुल नहीं बिल्कुल नहीं क्योंकि जो खबर लिखनी होती है उसमें पैसा नहीं लगता है पैसा आप लोग लेते होंगे मैं वही बोल रही हूँ कि आपको लगता होगा ना मुझे नहीं लगता है मेन फ्रंट पेज पे छापने के लिए मुझे कोई पैसा नहीं देना पड़ता है मुझे जो सिर्फ खबर देनी पड़ती है की वो खबर लगाने लायक है फ्रंट पे या नहीं है This is Factual America. We're brought to you by Alamo Pictures, an Austin and London-based production company making documentaries about America for international audiences. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week, I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. This week, it is my pleasure to welcome the award-winning filmmaker Sushmit Ghosh. His film, Riding with Fire, has been shortlisted for an Academy Award and tells the inspiring story of India's only newspaper run by Dalit, low-caste women. Armed with smartphones, wit, and tenacity, chief reporter Mira and her journalists break traditions as they break stories and tackle India's biggest issues. In the process, they are redefining what it means to be powerful. Sushmi, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? Oh, thanks, Matthew, for having me and uh, looking forward to this chat. It's, it's been a busy time, but it's been an interesting time. I imagine it has been an interesting time. Uh, the film we're talking about is Riding with Fire, shortlisted for an Academy Award, Audience Award and Special Jury Prize at Sundance, among many other uh, awards at the festival circuit. So thanks so much for joining us on, I know this is a national holiday in India, uh, so uh, it's Republic Day, which is very poignant, uh, especially, uh, it's, all, it's all by coincidence on our end, but uh, it's much appreciated that you're spending some of your um, your Republic Day with us, and congratulations on the on the Academy Award nomination. I mean, what was it like to receive that call? Oh well, uh, it's an interesting story. So Rintu and I were flying in from uh, London. We just finished our campaigning, and this was the night when the uh, the shortlist was going to be announced. Uh, we landed on the tarmac in Delhi. I think about two thirty in the morning, and Rintu switched on her phone and let out a little shriek. And uh, <laughs> and all, all, all the other passengers on our side of the plane were just like, "Is everything okay?" And and she just, 
oh no no everything's fine and then word went out that an indian documentary was on the shortlist and people were like clapping and strangers were whistling so that's how we brought the news in but it's it's phenomenal it's it's great to be an independent film on the shortlist yeah and a, and your feature debut i mean that's yeah. that's absolutely amazing um so uh and i understand why having seen the film um i mean for those of our listeners and and viewers who haven't uh maybe you can get us a, a little synopsis so you've already kind of done it uh quick certainly a log line at the beginning but what is uh writing with fire all about writing with fire is the story of khabar lahariya which uh literally translates into waves of news which is a newsroom that is run entirely by women and most of them women from the dalit community uh and we caught them at a time where they were transitioning from 14 years of print to digital and we were drawn to the story essentially because we were curious to see how they were going to make this transition fundamentally because they were operating in a region that is known for notorious levels of violence against the yeah. dalit community uh against women and just to be a dalit woman journalist in these parts of india uh, operating in media dark spaces uh was uh, was a story that was just waiting to be told mm. and uh, the film essentially follows three reporters in the newsroom and um uh, meera who's the central protagonist of the film and two uh journalists that she's essentially mentoring mm. and uh over the course of uh five years that we put this film together we see not only them transition um in their personal lives but also in their professional lives we see the growth of uh khabar mm. lahariya as as essentially a force in in the news making space in india and we also see india in a, in in, a, in an interesting yeah. way transition as a democracy so it's it's telling a lot of stories uh in in an interconnected way uh indeed uh and maybe for you know i think a decent number of listeners may not uh, i mean just maybe pull back just a bit maybe i think a lot of our listeners may not know that much about what about dalits and what that means in terms of uh context of india and culture maybe you can give us a little background on on these women that uh, we are that we see in this film sure so uh so india has or had okay let me rephrase this so uh, there is the caste system that that yeah. many people have heard of and according to the hindu scriptures very basic basically um humans can be divided into four uh key castes and it's sort of like a pyramid hierarchy and uh, each of these four castes have multiple subcastes and the dalit community is considered quote unquote so impure that they have historically always been kept out of the caste system and essentially have borne the brunt of or the legacy or 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 essentially the violence of what it means being outsiders mm. uh to the caste system and while india gained independence um the the practice of caste based caste based practices were banned constitutionally but you know it's it's it sometimes it's difficult to get rid of um a social structure that has been around for nearly 3000 years right and so if you're from the dalit community you would be someone who has historically always been marginalized mm-hmm. always been oppressed 
would not necessarily have access to resources that most other Indians would have, whether that be education or healthcare. And, and you see a lot of that in the film as these reporters go into these media dark villages, uh, spaces that are not covered by the mainstream, where mm. people don't have access to clean drinking water, toilets, um, healthcare facilities, schools, electricity. And, and the work that these women are doing is essentially ensuring equity and justice for, for people across the spectrum in the country. So, mm. yeah. oh, I think that brings us to a good point because it's, because your film also talks about, you know, maybe we can talk about the societal challenges these women face. So you've already made, alluded to it, but, you know, we are talking about the world's largest democracy. You know, you've had Indira Gandhi, so you've had women as head of the country, but uh, very much still and especially where they're based, male-dominated media, male-dominated industry and crime and society. And you also have this rise of increasingly, uh, increasingly this rise of right-wing extremism. Um, so this, they, they face so many challenges on so many fronts, don't they? Absolutely. I think India is also a bit of a paradox. One of the first democracies in the world to elect a woman prime minister. Yeah. Uh, Uttar Pradesh, the state where these women operate, just for context, is the largest state in India in terms of population. If it was a country, it would be the fifth largest country in the world. Wow. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's a complicated geography. And incidentally, Uttar Pradesh, till, till not too long ago, had a woman chief minister who was a Dalit woman. So, you know, remember uh, that. Yeah, Mayavati. And so so you know it's 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 a bag of many things, but but you're you're right, Matthew, that the fact that if you're a Dalit woman in these parts of the country, especially in the belt where we have filmed in southern Uttar Pradesh, the very act of stepping out of your home uh, is an act of courage. Uh, the fact that you have Dalit women who have decided to take on the role of journalists uh, in, in these spaces where most mainstream male, uh, quote-unquote again, upper caste men fear to tread is, is, is quite something in itself. And I think, I think what was pivotal in the journey of this newsroom was mm. the fact that while they had existed for 14 years as a newspaper, they were known within a, a, a smaller region or a smaller geography because, mm. you know, they were doing 5,000 runs of, of the newspaper every uh, two weeks. And according to their own studies, they were hitting a readership of roughly 15,000 people. Yeah. And usually, mostly uh, people who were reading the, their newspaper were men because women or, or young girls would not mm. be allowed to complete their schooling. So I think when Mira, who's the central protagonist of our film, decided to lead this change, one of the things that she was benching her hopes on was to be able to diversify the readership, or in this case, the viewership of news, and ride on this demographic dividend of access to technology, which most Indians now have. So you know, we've said this so many times, and we've actually witnessed this on the ground, that a house might not have a toilet or electricity, but they will definitely have a small, cheap Chinese smartphone yeah. and, and access to cheap 3G, 4G services. Yeah. And that's the pivot that Mira wanted to make where their news 
was seen by more people. And because they're on these digital platforms like YouTube and Facebook, they're also able to sort of measure the metrics. Uh, how many people are watching the news? When are they dropping out? How many women are watching it? What is the age bracket that's consuming the news? Yeah. And that explosive growth, and they've been able to sort of use these metrics to essentially inform themselves on what's working and what's not. But the mm. fact that Dalit women are doing what they're doing in itself is 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 quite something because a model like this doesn't exist anywhere else in the country. And uh, and mm. and what also drew us in was the fact that this wasn't just a social experiment. They had existed as professional journalists for 14 years. So we knew that this shift was going to lead to something tangible. And the success or the failure of the newspaper itself was sort of like a Trojan horse for us. We wanted yeah, to dive yeah. into the lives of these three women and actually um, tell you the story from inside their worlds and what it means being a woman challenging these systems yeah. of oppression and patriarchy and navigating through these very hostile spaces. Yeah. Well, let's talk about these three women. And even before we do that, I mean, even just that newsroom, the staff, that's, I mean, those are, well, these are some of the most inspirational characters I can remember from recent memory. And also, I mean, what it struck me is their faces, I mean, they're going through, you know, they're, as you say, we've got this, this historical legacies, what their lives are like, but their faces are actually a glow. I mean, these, these women are just, they just exude beauty. In, in confidence, and it's and you can see them even grow some of them in, in confidence. Uh, but let's talk about Mira. The uh, I guess she's now bureau chief. Um, I mean, what's what's her average day like? I mean, she's bureau chief of this n- newspaper that's you know ex- exploding in on terms of digital platforms. But uh, see lots of late night train trips home. Uh, she's still got to take care of the kids and the, the housework. I mean, what what is it like for Mira? Oh my God. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's, how do I put this? Uh, We were working 18 hour shifts with her and that was an average. Her days would start at about five in the morning, leaving home about 5.36, going into the field, the back of beyond train journeys, followed by bus journeys, followed by rickshaw rides. And then just the act of walking because a lot of these spaces that they were going into did not exist on Google maps. Uh, did not exist on any physical maps. So it's essentially asking people, where is this village? And, you know, in India, a lot of times, many villages sound similar. So landing up in the wrong village and then (laughs) directing yourself. Um, And operating in geographies where average temperatures are about 40 degrees Celsius. I mean, for a given. And because this is also sort of like the mining belt of the country. So extremely Mm -hmm. dusty as well. And so working in the field, reporting, and then making the long journey back home, coming back home eight, nine, sometimes 10 at night, and filing the stories that you have done. But between all of this, also managing a team of nearly 25 reporters in Mm. the field who are constantly calling in with something or the other that's going wrong in terms of either access or their own stories or technology, Uh, And managing a home, you know, two daughters and a husband and just the burden of expectations that we have from our mothers and Mm. our sisters that you could be a working woman, but you are still expected to come back home and take care of the house, you know. Um, so, So I think that's something that we also wanted to allude to in the film where 
if you see Mira's graph, you know, she's someone who's very anchored. She's someone, as you say, who's, who's, who's full of, she exudes a certain quiet power. There is mm. something about her that there is very elegant and graceful. And yet uh, she's able to sort of like, you know, keep the shop together. And I think uh, the fact that uh, she's able to do it and dance these dances so gracefully is something that we wanted to sort of string into the film, that it's not just the story of a journalist who's managing an institution right, right. that may or may not grow, but it's essentially the story of a mother and a wife and a daughter mm-hmm. and the guilt that women also have to bear in making choices on a day-to-day uh, basis. So while it's about the big story, it's also about those little nuanced conversations that happen inside the house with with the daughter or with the husband. Right. And that's what the stitching on the edit was all about. That's no, it's excellent. And, and I think even you were talking about her uh, quiet power. I mean, there's her just marching into the police station and, you know, there's the confronting them about some of these horrific stories that they're breaking. Um, absolutely amazing. I mean, that's uh, right up there with the most confident leading uh, journalists you would see anywhere. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite a, quite impressive um and then you mentioned the mining belt and that brings us i guess to sunita who's an, another lovely character that we get to meet uh uh exposing the you know these horrific conditions that are straight out of hundreds if not thousands of years ago um yet she has her own family pressures to deal with that we learn about in the film uh could you say a few things about sunita so when, you know, a little anecdote sort of pulling back. So how we met all three of them, Sunita, Meera and Sham Kali is, is yeah. in this meeting, right? Uh, almost in the beginning of the film where Meera is pitching to the entire team, the urgency to shift to digital. Right. And it was a meeting that lasted for nearly four hours and about 28 women reporters sitting and debating and discussing and the energy in the room was just um, very infectious. And Sunita stood out because she was the youngest reporter in the team. Mm. Uh, she had a baby face, but yeah, she yeah. was constantly challenging the entire leadership because she was someone who was a cub reporter, homegrown in right, the right. art of reporting, and she'd fallen in love with the physical edition of the newspaper. And in a sense, did not want to transition to digital. And she had a lot of questions about how are we going to do this? Because yeah, for instance, yeah. if I were to go into the field and interview someone who's just lost a child, it's easy for me to do that in print, but would they consent to actually have their face uh, right. in my video reportage? And you know, they were having these nuanced conversations about ethics and consent and character strands. And, and I think Sunita stood out for us because of the energy levels that she brought and the fact that she was an absolute maverick, sort of a shooting star. And we were interested in seeing, here is a lot of potential. How is Mira going to hone this energy in and will she be able to craft Sunita into a next level leader? And that's essentially what our hook point with uh, Sunita was. And uh, as we stayed longer with her, layers of her own personal story began to unravel for us her own life where she lives her own personal history which is interconnected with the mine uh, next mm-hmm. to the village she yeah. lives um, sort of like gives you a sense of why she does what she does and the purpose with which yeah. she works 
So Sunita was an automatic and an immediate choice for us. Like we instinctively knew that she had to be uh, someone profile in the film. And and for someone who was uh, maybe a little bit resistant about making the move to digital, she's an absolute natural. I mean, absolute. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Shamkali, I mean, that's uh, probably kind of comes out quietly and then rises to the front. You know, she's someone who can't even well has not been even had access to a smartphone previously. I mean, that's, I guess she's representative of, of a lot of the women that they bring in and who do the reporting. Absolutely. Uh, one of the reasons why we uh, decided to have her in the film, we always imagined the film with three characters, it's sort of like complete this pyramid structure. Um, and Shamkali, in a sense, represented this fear of embracing something new and the unknown. Mm. And and also brought in this sense of ironic humor. Like here is a, a a young woman in the 21st century who's scared to touch a phone because she feels that she should not be, and it yeah. is not in her yeah. to do that. Right. And then the agency that she has eventually through the course of the film, as she's trained by her, you know, the group of sisters that she's yeah. with, and. Uh, to eventually go on to her breakthrough case, demonstrating, you know, the ethics, the compassion, and really the sophistication of uh, an investigative reporter, mm. uh, some of the best that you'd find in the world to, to break a case that leads to action and leads to yeah. clear, clear consequences. Yeah. And, and now Shankali is someone who's uh, a senior reporter in, in the organization, um, the best uh, they have these monthly awards and she consistently yeah. knocked the award for best camera woman. So okay. she's doing really, really well. Uh, she continues to remain a reticent, shy, sort of like a lone wolf. Yeah. But she pulls off some great stories and uh, doing really well. Yes. Oh, excellent. Hey, um, I think that takes us to a good point for a uh, break for our audience. So uh, we'll be right back with uh, Shushmit Ghosh the director, producer, and editor, and cinematographer, among many other things, I'm sure, of, uh, of uh, Riding With Fire, shortlisted for an Academy Award. हां पूरी लिखना है 
If you enjoy Factual America, check out the Movie Maker podcast. That's all one word, Movie Maker. Where our friends at MovieMaker.com interview everyone from filmmakers just breaking in to A-listers like David Fincher and Edgar Wright about their movie-making secrets and behind-the-scenes tricks of the trade. They go deep and let the guests speak uninterrupted to get you the most film insight. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with award-winning filmmaker Sushmit Ghosh. Uh, the film is Riding with Fire, shortlisted for an Academy Award, winner of Audience and Special Jury Awards at Sundance and many other film festival awards. Actually, uh, Sushmit, is there are people able to watch this anywhere yet? Is it is it streaming or any anywhere? Or is that something that's in process? So essentially, it's going to be on uh, independent lens uh, in yeah. March. Okay. And it is going to be broadcast in, in a bunch of places, depending on which part of the world you're sitting mm-hmm. in. So it is going to be on public te- television in, in many parts of Europe. It's on BBC as well. Okay. Uh, so, and uh, we are hoping that I think March is when you will be able to watch the film. And with, of course, with the broadcast comes access to uh, the broadcaster's own streaming services. Hmm. Um, but we, the film is not on one single platform where you can okay. click and, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So watch this space, everyone. Uh, do do watch it though when you when you get a chance. Um, I'm actually going to watch it again when I get a chance because I've always only I had a chance to. Well, I've watched a couple scenes twice actually. Which, but um, we were talking before the break, um, and I think we even already, you know. Uh, mention this, uh, but uh, you know this film also captures what is happening in India. So, at the at the moment, and um, I mean, I th- I think there's a very poignant scene, and we're going to maybe even talk more about it, or we can even talk about it now. Uh, just this scene where uh, I think there's a staff meeting, but you know, the, there's a lot of how, what do the staffers at uh, at the p- newspaper feel about all this change? I mean, do they they find it. Th- threatening do they find it uh, you know maybe you could maybe give us a little insights on that i think it's something as journalists they were clued into when you have your feet and ears on the ground yeah. you begin to expect what the future holds for you and you're able to read the signs and it's something that we've been witnessing globally as well with the rise of populist governments and how big data companies uh, working in collusion with these sophisticated boutique agencies have mm. been able to bring to power uh, personality cults, right, across right. the world, right. whether that be Philippines or Turkey or, you know, uh, fortunately for you, what seemed to be four years under Trump gone now. Mm. Um, but but um, they, they knew that, you know, it wasn't going to be easy, but these are conversations that we always had with them. And, you know, Mira actually once commented and, and what she had to say was really interesting. She said, listen, guys, you folks come from the cities, right? And we as Dalit women have always had to face. Uh, and, and for us, our resistance was always built into these systems of oppression. So this is not something new, yeah. but because because this is now flowing out from the tiny villages into the towns and now coming into the cities, you feel anxious about what's going to happen. But we've always seen this and we've actually been at the bottom of the system, so to speak, bearing the weight of all of this. So it's not new. Uh, And so our job as journalists essentially is to 
filter the news and continue to present it the the way it should and i also think it speaks to the fact that you know this whole idea of what is news really because mm. there is a way that the fourth estate in a sense can also be blamed for the rise of populism across the mm. world where the fourth estate now is hand in glove with corporations where the meaning of news essentially it, news is being designed by a small set of people making editorial decisions on behalf of millions and and it's mm. not very different in india um just statistically speaking you know according to a recent survey nearly 94% of all major broadsheets and news channels in india the editorial positions are high caste men mm. uh who are who are deciding what news is and in the editors guild of india there is only one dalit reporter and it's a reporter from khabar leheria which speaks yeah. to yeah. you know the, the 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 relevance of this newsroom so while they are a small newsroom they are much recognized for what they are doing and i think it also speaks to the courage of these women for continuing to do what they are doing despite the times and the circumstances that they are in so yeah. well i mean as i think the film points out I, maybe i think it's towards the end that uh, you know journalists or it's a not a it's it's not without its dangers it's a dangerous profession and across the world but especially in india as well um and i mean do you with you guys so you're following them around uh did you ever feel like you were under threat you know because they're you know they're cuz you're they're going into they're exploring things that the mafia's doing they're you know Uh I don't think they pull their punches with anyone any politicians who's not doing what they should be doing they uh, will report on it doesn't have to be a particular party so did you ever feel like uh you were in a dangerous position yourselves as filmmakers Um in in retrospect like when when we've been talking about the film and the spaces that we went into film we did go into some dangerous spaces but you know like the bus was moving so fast you either jump <laughs> on or not and yeah. once you throw into it you just you're just filming um and 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 i think that yeah we were filming this was i think the first time that rintu and i and karan who was a co-cinematographer mm. uh we filmed all across india in in yeah. the rural heartlands across the country and we in a sense had an understanding of what india was like and 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 not the india that you see as the india shining but the real india in right. in in the hoplums but this was the first time where we collectively experienced so much trauma around us of mm. of um of the violence that is in the air um mm. where you see physically in, which manifests in the forms of dead bodies brutalized in front of you but also the the palpable danger that's there in the air so for instance mm. there are scenes where sunita and meera are out late at night mm. and walking through these dark alleyways and the only mm. thing that's um helping them navigate these spaces is 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 the torch on their mobile phone and nobody else right yeah. and we were going through spaces that you know women are constantly picked up kidnapped raped murdered so that's something that sort of was in our minds but the fact that we were making a film on these journalists who knew how to navigate and negotiate through these spaces so well 
um i don't i, I don't think we really dwelled on it too much yeah. Uh, yeah it's only after we came back and started sifting through the footage in the edit and and, and because we filmed for four years when we went mm. back to the earlier footage we were just like whoa we ended up <laughs> filming all of this this is <laughs> Uh, so that's what happened. I yeah. think it was all retrospective. Yeah. I, one thing that struck me uh, is that so the the film actually there's a slight turn in the tale. Uh, probably you one that you did or didn't expect uh, with the BJ, BJP winning the uh, Uttar Pradesh uh, state elections, and uh, there's that big meeting they have, and they talk about Mira's talking about how they're going to have to the reporting's got to become more nuanced small group of them is going to be uh, doing the uh, uh, critical uh, stories. And I think she ends by saying we must, or someone says we must be vigilant. And the next scene you go to from vigilant to vigilante. And, uh, but what I found that interesting is that she interviews Satyam and he's this upcoming leader of this, uh, this vigilante group. And yet he becomes a bit of a character in this film as well. And that was an interesting, uh, turn sort of halfway in was that uh was that conscious i mean what were you, what were you guys thinking with bringing him in and into the story it happened out of the blue completely and it actually happened when i look back halfway through the filming yeah uh exactly. two years into the filming this happened and strangely enough we dropped it into the film at the 45 minute mark halfway through the film as well um we didn't expect satyam to jostle for space with Meera Sunita and Shamkali. Mm-hmm. But we knew that he was going to become an important character in the film. Essentially because I feel that he, in a sense, represents also, you know, this, this shade of grey that we yeah. see in our societies. Um, don't get me wrong, he's someone who's quite an affable character off camera. We, we used to crack jokes with him, had a lot of fun. He invited us home. We spent a lot of time with him. But we were looking at Satyam's story through Meera's eyes. And our question to her always was, what, what compels you despite all mm. the stories that you're doing? This is a long-form investigative piece that you're doing because right. she went back time and again to Satyam and she filed like a series of stories about him mm. um, over a year. And she said, Satyam for me represents the future of this country, the future of the youth of this country. And the choices that they are making. And in a sense, that became sort of the anchor point for us as well, that Satyam being Satyam is not just a vigilante, so to speak. He's a young man who lost his way and the choices that we all have. And for us, it was interesting to also sort of counterbalance. So uh, Meera said something very beautiful that didn't make it to the final cut of the film, uh, where she said that all kinds of people will have all kinds of choices uh, but when I look at young people, on the one hand, you have someone like Satyam, and on the other hand, you have someone like Sunita, and they both right. had to make the choices, but look at the paths that they took. And, mm. uh, and I'm interested in seeing what choices more young people will make over the course of the next few years. And I think that was something that beautifully set up Satyam's arc as well. Mm. In um, He also represents this sort of, this force of, technology as well you know in in one particular scene he very gently alludes to the fact that he's able to bring together people using whatsapp and whatsapp has become um sort of like a tool for fake news in india 
uh whatsapp mm. has become a, a a great proponent of sort of galvanizing literally forces on the ground feet on the ground and and so on the one hand you have the women in the news institution doing what they're doing with technology on the other hand you have this other set of folks with swords in their hands protecting mm. uh their idea and notion of what india should be this mm. whole idea of a uh, a uh, a pure nation uh and and what does that really mean and how is technology galvanized and so you know these questions around uh, future and democracy technology all sort of get underpinned in in satyam's own arc so to speak mm. well it it's it's all there all beautifully done and put together and uh it's definitely uh it's uh it's a piece of art piece of cinema that i, th- I highly recommend that everyone uh good watch when they when they have a chance. Uh you you mentioned earlier uh, you sort of you you guys have been I think you're on 5 years or so on the case but how did this project come about? How did you all get involved? Was it merely you saw you came across this uh this newspaper and so this would be a uh, this would be something that could be a good doc. How did that come about? It, strangely on the internet we saw a photo story pop up on our Facebook timelines of a woman delivering newspapers in this yeah very arid landscape and she was wearing this colorful sari and when we found out more we discovered the work of the newspaper and the fact that they had been around for 14 years so they weren't just a social experiment so we knew that yeah. there was already some gravitas and meat over there yeah it's when we reached out to them and met them where we essentially began to have conversations around wanted to make a feature length film on them that we realized that they were going to shift to digital and we knew that something interesting would happen because you're looking at you know the the archaic traditions of the caste system and how brutal and oppressive and ancient and primitive it is and on the other hand you have um the new force of technology Mm. that's contained in a smartphone in the hands of a dalit woman who's mm. basically bearing the weight of both of these worlds and i think i think there was that was a very natural entry point for us because we were curious to see how would mira and her team you know philosophically speaking manage between both of these forces or would one end up crushing the other that could have also possibly been an outcome which thankfully it wasn't yeah and then so you just approached them and they said yes uh, and you just got the cameras rolling and let what happened happened they were curious actually to be honest uh, they had had a lot of shots made on them so yeah. they were aware of what a film crew does right um but they weren't very sure of what a feature documentary looked like so they asked us questions about how long is this going to take and what is your lens what's your angle as as mira very uh, that's a great you know, yeah yeah well, mira explains to shamkali in the film what an angle is so they were like what's your angle so they had already seen a body of work and in a sense they knew what our lens was and you know our interest always has been about amplifying stories about protagonists who are literally on the margins uh mm. who most people would not know of who have created tectonic shifts within their communities whether that be 
agriculture, climate change, mm. maternal health, refugee rights. So they automatically fit into our own interest areas of, of folks we like to work with. And, and I think uh, what essentially happened was that when they invited us over for this first meeting, and I think that's where we got really lucky because we were able to film this meeting that was a pivotal shift and a moment, not only in the film, but mm. in the history of the newspaper. And the seven days that we spent with them, they ended up watching us film them. And uh, our approach was very minimal. Uh, there were three of us on the ground. Okay. We decided to go in with um, DSLRs and not, you know, the bigger cameras, not the C300s, not the prime lenses, not the <laughs> cine lenses. Yeah. There was no sound recorders. So Rintu doubled up as a sound person. There were no boom mics. At all levels, our approach was be as non-intrusive as possible. And just, you know, that classic... Um, if you were to be a fly on the wall, yeah, what would it yeah, look like? Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's that choreography that allowed them to trust our process because we never interfered with their work. Mm-hmm. And we weren't whipping out our camera cameras whenever there was a moment to shoot, you know? Mm-hmm. And there were more moments to shoot, but we would always wait for the journalists to make the first move. And and I think that's that's sort of like the process that we set up, which they trusted. And, and that allowed us to enter their own inner worlds, sanctum sanctorum, so to speak. And, and that's where we began to film from within their lives, so to speak. So, yeah. Well, it's, um, it's met with, your film's met with an incredible reception. Did you ever imagine you would uh, make a splash like, like this? So, you know, we ended up spending five years making this film, but also pitching it in different forums internationally. Yeah. And everywhere we would pitch, people would walk up to us and say, hey, listen, is there a link where I could just donate something to the journalist? Oh, right. some money? Yeah. And so we knew that this was a story that was emotionally drawing in an audience, yeah. even at a pitch level. And we knew that this was a story we wanted to craft in a way that was as universal as it was Indian. So it, it could not lose its Indian identity. It couldn't be too simple for an Indian mm. audience. Because an Indian audience, in a sense, understands the nuances of caste. And you don't need to say a lot. Right. But we didn't want it to be too overcomplicated for an international audience. And so that's how we stitched the story together. And in a sense, both of us knew that the story would play well. Mm. But we did not for any i mean we did not imagine the reception that it would get uh i mean playing in nearly 120 festivals in just 12 months across the world uh, is quite something uh and i think what's overwhelmed us has been the fact that you know covid has pushed most filmmakers to do this virtually and digitally but what it's also led to has been in a weird way, a democratization of also the film watching experience, because when it mm. played at Sundance, it wasn't just, you know, certain kind of a crowd right. that was going to Sundance to watch the film. Sundance opened it up pan-US. And so 10,000 people on the first two screenings watched Writing with Fire. And we had these notes coming in on Instagram, on Facebook, mm. on about how there was a police officer who ended up watching the film with his two daughters and he mailed in saying, I love Sunita. She could be like a cop. Like she's so cool, you know, and, and my daughters <laughs> love her and, and from all across. And I think uh, that kind of 
love that this narrative galvanized i feel happened essentially because the film became more accessible in a sense and uh, but yeah i mean this is something we were hoping for yeah. that we would be able to present this film to as many audiences across as many spaces uh it's been a bit debilitating sort of managing distribution because the world of distribution became so complex because of the right. pandemic but we have been finding ways and opportunities of presenting mm. this film and bringing the journalists with us into different forums whether that be journalistic mm. or film schools or other spaces so fingers crossed 2022 might be an interesting year as well because we are embarking on an impact run with the film and there's a lot of excitement around it so um, well understandably and i and and wish you luck with all that and i think uh, you mentioned uh, well we'll put some links in the show notes i'm sure to you know like you said if people want to get in touch or or even donate to these uh, this what these women are doing um uh and one last question regarding this are you going to if you get final nomina if you're one of the final nominees you flying to LA you're going to go to the Oscars Oh I would love to have Meera Sunita and Shamkali walk the red carpet in sarees That would be amazing <laughs> Yeah exactly they have the speeches ready yeah. <laughs> And and live reporting I'm sure that's what they're going to do so yes. you know we we were able to sort of have Meera with us at Itfa in Amsterdam uh briefly okay. Well, she was able to present the film with us in person to a live audience and people fell in love with her and uh, and she was constantly recording everything and sending it back to India this was the first time she was traveling outside the country so i think i think people across the world also need to witness another prototype of an indian woman you know mm. stories out of india so far uh, especially when they've been seen from a western lens have been a certain kind of a narrative and i think i think one of the reasons why this story is also picked up so well has been because people are witnessing a very different kind of power uh, they're witnessing the power of dalit women journalists who are actually not speaking for just their community but are holding the pillars of the fourth estate strong Mm. which is something that needs to be mirrored across the world mm. and i feel that one of the things that people feel galvanized uh, uh, or one of the reasons they feel galvanized is because you see protagonists you don't expect to do this you know people who mm. have historically been oppressed uh, yeah. picking up uh, picking themselves up and fighting for us so with all our privilege what complaints do we have living in this fractured world to not make it a better space and yeah. i think more people need to um witness this part so i mean if the, i mean it's very that would be the dream if the film were to be <laughs> i think that would get so much to to the news agency but also um to to journalists across the world the fact that two actually won the nobel peace prize uh, speaks to the relevance of the fourth estate right now in the moment where we are anywhere in the world yeah and i think as the uh, at the very least as the washington post i think put it it's probably possibly the the greatest journalist uh, movie uh, ever made uh, at least in their uh, estimation so um yeah i think it's um I, i wish you luck i hope you are one of the final nominees uh, we've been fortunate to have a few of the uh, uh, preliminary nominees on this podcast so it's been it's been uh, great getting to uh talk with you and just discuss this film. I mean one one last question if we may cuz I know we're coming up uh, uh 
on the end of our time together. But uh, well, what's next for you and uh, Runeet? Uh, I mean, I know you said the impact round, but where, where do you go from here? I think I'm going to vegetate for a month after. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so we are developing a couple of stories. One of them was a documentary, but because of the lockdown, we couldn't go in for our research. And But the more we've been thinking about it, it actually lends itself more into a hybrid, uh, almost mm. narrative piece. And it's a form that we are very excited about. So it's a story uh, that we want to dive into this year. And uh, there's another uh, uh, story that we're doing with a streamer. It's an episodic series about a little school in a coastal belt in India. Uh, that's all I can say, but we are very excited about it, essentially because it's an observational story about young children with big hopes and dreams. Uh, and another, another film that I think, another series that I think uh, the world needs to bear witness to. So fingers crossed on that. Well, we uh, we look forward to uh, seeing both those projects when they uh, when they come to fruition. So, just want to give a big thanks to uh, Sushmit Ghosh for uh, spending uh, part of his Republic Day with us. I know that's uh, very poignant for us, and there's a very poignant scene in the film that takes place on on Republic Day. So, very much uh, appreciated. Just to remind our listeners, we've been with, talking with. Uh, the award-winning director, producer, cinematographer, editor of Writing with Fire, uh, Sushmit Ghosh. Uh, the film has uh, been shortlisted for an Academy Award and also won Audience Award and Special Jury Awards at Sundance and a host of other awards across the festival circuit. I'd like to give a shout-out to Sam and Joe Graves at Intersound Audio in Eskrik, England, in deepest, darkest Yorkshire. A big thanks to Nevin Apanovich, podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show. And finally, a big thanks to our listeners. As always, we love to hear from you, so please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas. You can reach out to us on YouTube, social media, or directly by going to our website, www.factualamerica.com and clicking on the Get In Touch link. And as always, please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.